The Green Bay Packers are traveling on the road to face the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I have my eye on the Minnesota Vikings this week. Because the Vikings are a team that lost a lot this past offseason. They had a big roster turnover. Like, they got rid of guys like Stephon Diggs. They traded him to the Buffalo Bills. They let Everson Griffin walk away. Signed the Dallas Cowboys. Got rid of Xavier Rose, Trey Wayne. So, they had a lot of turnover on this roster. And they're bringing in a lot of young guys. And it is a couple of rookies I think have a pretty significant impact for the Vikings this season. We already know Justin Jefferson is going to have a pretty solid impact on this offense whenever he gets his opportunity to shine. Um, Ricky out of LSU. Then you also got rookie cornerbacks Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dantzler. So I'm interested to see what they do this season. But all in all, this is still a really productive team and a really good team that the Vikings still have. And another interesting thing is that they lost their offensive coordinator from last year, Kevin Stefanski, who is now taking over as the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. And who did they replace Kevin Stefanski with? Offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak. And for those of you guys who don't know who Gary Kubiak is, Gary Kubiak is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. He has a lot of respect around the NFL. A lot of respect from his peers, a lot of high praise. So I want to see what Gary Kubiak brings to his Minnesota Vikings offense because his Minnesota Vikings offense was pretty good last year. And a big reason why was because they were a run-first football team and then they would beat you with play action. So I want to see what new wrinkle, if any, Gary Kubiak is going to throw into this Minnesota Vikings offense. And is this Minnesota Vikings offense going to be better than what it was last year? So, for the Green Bay Packers, you still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I believe that the Packers have a top 10 defense going into the season. Um, you got Preston Smith, you got Zadarius Smith, who both those guys were really productive last season for the Green Bay Packers. You got a really good secondary led by the best corner, one of the best up-and-coming young cornerbacks in the NFL, and Jair Alexander. Then you got a pretty good safety duo back there with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. So, I mean, both of these two teams have really good defenses. And when you look at the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers are running or run-first football team. It's no longer, oh, we're going to rely on Aaron Rodgers to win us the game. And it's not working like that anymore. The Green Bay Packers last season were at their best when they were able to run the football with Aaron Jones. Now, not only do you have Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon back there. You got Jamal Williams there. So you got three solid halfbacks who you can rotate in and keep them fresh. So I think that the, the Green Bay Packers are going to take their run game to the next level this season. They probably could be the second or the third best running football team by the end of this upcoming season. And when you have two teams that are really good running the football, the Minnesota Vikings that got Dalvin Cook, can't forget about him, one of the best halfbacks in the NFL when he's able to stay healthy. So you have two great running football teams. You have to be able to, you know, kind of get out to a lead quick, and you got to be able to create turnovers. Because when you have teams that like to run the ball, normally they take out a lot of time on the clock. And you don't really get a lot of possessions, so you have to make the most out of possession that you get when you have or when you're facing a running football team. So for the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, not only am I looking to see which team is going to be able to come out here and be able to stop the run, 
But I want to see which team is going to be able to come out here and, you know, get turnovers, be able to get extra possessions, be able to get stops inside the red zone. Because the Green Bay Packers were really effective in the red zone last year. And so were the Minnesota Vikings to an extent with how good Dalvin Cook was last year. So, I mean, whoever wants to win this game, not only do they have to be able to stop the run, but you also have to be able to create turnovers, get X possessions for your offense, and you also have to be able to get stops inside the red zone. When your opponent gets inside the red zone, you have to get them kicking field goals instead of walking away with touchdowns. So, I mean, this game is going to be really intriguing. Now, I want to see how Kirk Cousins performs in this game because the narrative about Kirk Cousins is that he didn't really play well against, you know, great teams well last year he kind of changed that narrative when he was able to get the vikings to the playoffs he was able to win a playoff game and the upset against the new orleans saints so i mean i want to see if kirk cousins is going to be able to ride his hot streak into this season or if his hot streak is going to kind of wear off and for the minnesota vikings i want to see what justin jefferson does in this game now when i was looking at the but when i was looking at the depth chart for the Minnesota Vikings, I didn't see Justin Jefferson as a starter. He was like a backup behind the guy who I know I know his name, but I don't want to pronounce it because it's really hard to pronounce. I don't want to mess it up. But Justin Jefferson isn't projected as a starter as the death chart that I've recently looked at. So I want to see how is he going to get implemented in this offense this week. Because I feel like Justin Jefferson was drafted in the first round. You take a wide receiver in the first round, you know. You're under the speculation that, you know, he's going to have a pretty good workload. He's going to have a pretty significant part in this offense. So I want to see what they have in store for him. Another thing that I want to see, I want to see Irv Smith. I think Irv Smith could be a really underrated player that a lot of people aren't talking about that could break out for the Minnesota Vikings this year. Now, on the defense side of the football, like I said, this is probably going to be a defensive slugfest. I'm not really expecting a lot of points to be scored in this game. Now, although the Green Bay Packers have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and the Minnesota Vikings have Kirk Cousins, who was pretty solid last year, I'm still not expecting a lot of points to be scored in this game because of these two teams' playing styles. Because when you have two smash-mouth football teams that like to run the football and rely on their defense, you can't really expect a lot of scoring. So, I mean... I think that this game is going to be really close. I don't think neither one of these teams is going to end up scoring more than 20 points. I think 20 points minimum will probably probably be the most points that any other team scores in this game. And, I mean, for Green Bay, I think something that really important that Green Bay needs to do, I almost forgot about this, but they have to stop Minnesota on third down. Minnesota was really effective on third down last year. They were actually top 10 in the NFL and third down conversion percentage, converting on third down 42.41% of the time, which was ninth in the NFL. So if you're the Green Bay Packers, you know, one of the most important things that, you know, determines how good of a defense you have is your defense's ability to get off the field on third down situations. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings last year, they were really efficient on third down. So if the Minnesota Vikings want to win this game, they have to be able to keep that up. And if the Packers want to win this game, they got to be able to get them up off the field on third down. So the team that I'm taking to win this game, I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers to win this game here. Uh, I mean, this is a game that can go either way. This is one of the first two matches that these two teams play against each other. They're going to end up playing each other again. I'm going to have to say the Packers win this game. Uh, 20 to 14 is my final score. No, 
20 to 17 is my final score prediction. I think this game is going to be fairly close. I like the Packers to win this game because I think that they have a better roster than the Minnesota Vikings all around. Like, I think their offensive line is better, and I think their defensive line and their defense is a little bit better than Minnesota's defense as well. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, like, you lost a lot of talented players, and you got rid of a lot of players last season. So you're going to be having new guys coming in, and I want to see how these new guys are going to be able to perform with the Minnesota Vikings. So ultimately, I think that the Green Bay Packers win this game 20-17. to This is a game that could go either way, and this is one of the first two matches that these two teams are going to play against each other. I'm just going to take the Green Bay Packers to get the better of the Minnesota Vikings this first go-around in this in this um, season series. The Philadelphia Eagles are going on the road to take on the Washington football team. And let me start off by saying this. I feel like the Washington football team is being really underrated going into this season. I think that this is a team that is going to do way better than what a lot of people expect them to do. A lot of people see them going 2-14, and 3-13, and 4-12, but I think they could end up winning 7-8 to eight games this year. And I know this organization, this franchise went through a lot this offseason with the whole allegations that went on. You had the whole entire name change incident. And this franchise is really dysfunctional. It has been for like nearly the last two decades. But... If there was any coach that I would have confidence in that could change the culture of this franchise, it would be Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is a player's coach. The players love playing for him. But not only that, but he is a coach that can change the culture of not only your locker room, but your organization. He can write your organization in the right direction. And I think a major reason why Ron Rivera chose to take this job in Washington was because he has everything that he needs to be successful. Because they have a really good defense, especially on the defensive line. You see, when the Carolina Panthers were at their best, I know a lot of people love to talk about how great Cam Newton was during their prime days, but this defensive line for Carolina during their prime, when they were making it to the Super Bowl and making it to the playoffs, they had really good defensive lines. They had really good front sevens. And when you look at this Washington team, they have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. In fact, I think that they have the second best defensive line in the NFL behind the San Francisco 49ers. You drive rookie Chase Young out of Ohio State. You got Montez, well, you got Ryan Kerrigan, you got Payne, you got Matt Iadonis, you got Jonathan Allen. You got a pretty good secondary. You got cornerbacks Ronald Darby, Kendall Fuller, Jimmy Moreland, safety Landon Collins. So this Washington team... I think it's going to be really good this year on the defense side of the football. Now, offensively is where the concerns lie. You got Wayne Hassan's going into his second season. He didn't really have a great rookie season, although he did end his rookie season out on the high note. He had some pretty good performances his last two games. But you got to look at what Dwayne Hassan's had to work it with. He basically got thrown into the fire. The whole coaching situation was a mess, and the team was a mess. So now you got Dwayne Hassan's going into year two. Now he's going to be the full-time starter. The offensive line is a big question mark. I actually think that this is probably one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, aside from Brandon Sheriff. They don't really have anything there. But you do have a pretty good group of halfbacks, and you got Terry McLaurin. And 
Washington doesn't need to be explosive on offense to win games. So all Washington really needs to do is for the Wayne Haskins to take care of the football, and they need to be really good running the football. So limit turnovers and being able to run the football. Because, listen, Ron Vera is a coach that doesn't really, you know, have a lot of high expectations for his offense. He's basically a guy who likes to run the football, take care of the football, rely on his defense to win the game. And you're facing a Philadelphia Eagles offensive line that already before the season has even began is pretty banged up. I mean, they've already lost like two starting offensive linemen before the season has even began. So if you're Washington, you're looking at that. And Philadelphia has a lot of depth on their offensive line. I'm not really too concerned. But in a game like this, I am a little bit concerned. Because overall, I don't think those injuries are going to have any significant impact on the Philadelphia Eagles. Because they draft really well and they have a lot of depth on the offensive line. But in a game like this week one, when you've had a short offseason, not really a lot of time to prepare, and, you know, a short training camp, I'm wondering how those guys are going to be filling in for the injured offensive line are going to perform. Now, I know they brought back Jason Peters. He's going to be playing one of the offensive tackle spots. But he's a little bit up during age. How good is he going to be? Who, how good is the guy who's going to be taking in for Brandon Brooks? Now, Philadelphia, I think they have one of the best wide receiving cores in the NFL. Last year, Carson Wentz basically carried this team on his back. And their best wide receiver was Greg Ward Jr., now you bring in Marquise Goodwin. Deshaun Jackson is going to come back fully healthy. You got rookie Hightower. You got Jalen Rager. So, I mean, you got a lot of depth at this wide receiver position for Philadelphia. And in this game, I think that it's going to come down to the team that is going to be able to take care of the football. And the team that's not going to have a lot of mistakes. Because I think this is going to be a pretty highly consistent defensive battle between these two teams. And Philadelphia's defense has really improved. I mean, this defense has came a long way compared to what it has been in the past with the addition of Darius Slay. And I know that Darius Slay has kind of had a down year with Detroit last season, but I still think that he is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, regardless of what a lot of people think. And he's going to be matched up against Terry McLaurin. And I'm interested to see this matchup because... Terry McLaurin has a lot of high expectations coming into the season from not only myself, but from Washington football fans as well. And Darius Slay has some high expectations from Philadelphia Eagles fans as well. So I want to see who's going to end up winning this one-on-one battle between Darius Slay and Terry McLaurin. I also want to see how good is Philadelphia's run defense going to be this year because I think their run defense is going to be really good this year, especially with the addition of uh, Javon Hargrave. I think Javon Hargrave could have a really big impact in this game. And for those of you guys who don't know who Javon Hargrave is, the Philadelphia Eagles brought in Javon Hargrave and free agency. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who happens to be my favorite team. And I didn't want to see Javon Hargrave leave Pittsburgh. Like, Javon Hargrave came a long way from when the Steelers first picked him up a few years back. Like, when he first got picked up by the Steelers, he was only a good run defender. Now he's a really good run defender, and he's also really good against the pass and pass rushing situations as well. So, I think that Washington... It's been a little bit overlooked in this game. I think a lot of people are coming with the expectation that Philadelphia is just going to steamroll their way to a victory in this game. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. I think that this game is going to be tightly contested. And I'm going to have to take Philadelphia to win this game. Um, I am high on Washington, don't get me wrong. But Washington is running a new system, um, new officer coordinator, new play caller, and things like that. 
And I said this with a lot of teams, teams like the Browns and teams that are having new head coaches, how much of the playbook are the players going to be able to, you know, understand? How much of the playbook do they have mastered? And when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that didn't really have a coaching change or anything like that, Carson Wentz come back fully healthy, I'm going to have to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. Now, I think this game could be pretty close, but I'm going to take Philadelphia to win this game. 21-13 to 13 is my final score prediction in this game. I think that Philadelphia Eagles, their defense, with how much it has improved over this offseason, I don't really see Washington having a lot of success moving the football in this game because of the short offseason. I do think that their defense is going to be good enough to keep them in this game, especially with all the time that they have at that defensive line position. But I think with Carson Wentz being on the field and his ability to make plays and Doug Peterson being a good coach, I think that this game is probably going to go into the fourth quarter. It's going to come down to what team is able to make the big play in the last four minutes of this game. And I'm going to have to take Philadelphia Eagles to be able to do that because I just don't quite trust the Washington football team's offense week one of this game. Because like I said earlier, not really a lot of time to prepare, not really a lot of team to, you know, get the offense down packed, learn the playbook and things like that. So I'm going to have to favor Philadelphia to win this game. 21 to 13 is my final score prediction. Now, Washington does have a good chance of winning this game. Like I said, like I feel like a lot of people are really sleeping on the Washington football team. But, you know, lack of preparation, lack of practicing, lack of, you know, preseason is a big, you know, reason I have Philadelphia winning this game. The Indianapolis Colts and Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be facing off this weekend in this AFC South Divisional matchup. And in this game... We get to see, are the Jacksonville Jaguars actually going to be as bad as we think they are? Because it's easy to believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking this season. And I was going back and forth with one of my homeboys on this subject because he is a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. He was trying to tell me that Jacksonville Jaguars are not tanking. I was trying to tell him that the Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking. And I was like, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not tanking. Why would they get rid of A.J. Boye and Calais Campbell? He was like, oh, you know, they're trying to get younger on the defense side of football. And I was like, okay, I can understand that. You get rid of Calais Campbell, he's a little bit up during age. Get rid of A.J. Boye, who isn't really a great number one, but he is a pretty solid number two cornerback. So I can understand getting rid of both of those guys. You're trying to get younger on the defense side of football, trying to free up some cap space, trying to acquire some draft picks for those guys. I can understand those moves. But then later on, you release Leonard Fournette. Then I asked him, okay, if you're not tanking, why would you get rid of Leonard Fournette? He was like, Leonard Fournette just didn't fit the Jacksonville Jaguars offense because he isn't all that great catching the ball out of the backfield. I was like, okay, understandable. But then what really puzzles me and what really leads me to believe that Jacksonville Jaguars could be tanking this season is how they, really, they traded safety Ronnie Harrison to the Cleveland Browns. It remind you that they just drafted Ronnie Harrison not too long ago. So that is a little bit odd to me. Now, of course, the players come out and they deny the claims that Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking. Of course, every player is not going to come out and flat out say, hey, we're tanking. Nobody's going to say that. Everybody wants to play. Everybody's trying to win. And when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars going into this game, I think pretty much the biggest thing to watch 
is this wide receiving core for the Jacksonville Jaguars going against this Indianapolis Colts secondary. Now, I think Jacksonville Jaguars have a really underrated group of wide receivers. You got DJ Chark, you got D.D. Westbrook, you got LaVisco Chenault, who has had a really good training camp, the rookie out of Colorado. I felt he should have won the first round. And you have Chris Conley. So you got a pretty good group of wide receivers. Now, the halfback position is really strange to me because they're going to be starting a young rookie named James Robinson. Now, James Robinson didn't really hear anything about him throughout training camp or in the offseason at that. So I'm really interested to see what he's going to bring to the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. I actually picked him up on a couple of my fantasy football teams. Now, the secondary for Indianapolis, I want to see how they're going to perform against the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiving core. Because I don't think the Indianapolis Colts have a bad secondary, but I don't think this secondary is great. Now, you got Rocky Sin, who I think Rocky Sin is probably, in my opinion, the best cornerback that the Indianapolis Colts have on this roster. You also have Xavier Rose. So Xavier Rose, after he signed that new contract extension with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years back, he hasn't been the same. He's basically, I like to call him Rhodes Open. Because that's basically what it is when you're throwing against Xavier Rhodes. Because, like, he has been a shell of himself. So, can he revive his career in Indianapolis? That's going to remain to be seen. So, the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiving core in in the Indianapolis Colts secondary is going to be a matchup that you guys need to watch. Now, Indianapolis on the offensive side of football... I think when it comes to running the football, they're going to be able to do whatever they want to because they have probably, in my opinion, the best offensive line in the NFL now. And with the fact that they're so good on the offensive line, I think they're going to have a lot of success running the football on the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line because the Jacksonville Jaguars got rid of their best defensive lineman in Calais Campbell. And now you have some young guys that are looking to step up, guys like Tavian Bryant. And at this point, their best player on the defense side of the football, at least from the defensive line standpoint, is linebacker Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen, you know, he can't do it all himself. He's gonna have some, he's gonna have to have some help. And I don't really think the Jacksonville Jaguars are gonna have that enough talent, that good enough talent, to be able to, you know, stop this rushing attack for the Indianapolis Colts because of how great this offensive line is. And also when it comes to being able to get after the quarterback. I want to see who else is going to be able to step up for the Jacksonville Jaguars other than Josh Allen. Who's going to be the other guy that's going to be able to get pressure on Phillip Rivers in this game? Because the Indianapolis Colts off the line is really good. And I mean, when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars defense line, it's not bad, but I don't think it's all that great. It's really young. So, I mean, I want to see, can the Jacksonville Jaguars get some kind of pressure on Phillip Rivers and can they, you know, not get dominated up front? You also look at the Jacksonville Jaguars off the line, and you're looking at how they match up against this Indianapolis Colts defensive line, which is really improved with the addition of DeForest Buckner. And you also have um, Justin Houston, which Justin Houston is coming off a really impressive season last year where a lot of people thought he was falling off, a lot of people thought he was old, and he ends up having over double-digit sacks. So I want to see how this Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line and offensive line is going to handle the respective defensive line and the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. Now, Gardner Minshew is another interesting storyline to watch in this game because Gardner Minshew 
a lot of people don't believe in him. Well, I'm not going to say that. A lot of Jacksonville Jaguar fans believe in him. At least 70% of Jacksonville Jaguars fans that I've talked to believe in Gardner Minshew. Now, the other 30% who don't believe in Gardner Minshew don't believe him because, you know, he started out pretty hot, but then, you know, they inserted Nick Foles back into the starting lineup. Then they took him back up and they put him back in Gardner Minshew. And his hot streak kind of, you know, wore out. So, Gardner Minshew was looking to prove to this Jacksonville Jaguars franchise that he does have what it takes to be the franchise quarterback. And he actually made a statement a couple of weeks ago, which I love it. He said that the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting another quarterback over him will be one of the worst mistakes that the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise has ever made. Now, that may be a little bit of a bold statement because the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise has made a lot of bad decisions over the last couple of years, especially when they decided to extend Blake Bortles. But back to the game, um, Jacksonville is the underdog in this game. Now, without a doubt, I'm taking Indianapolis to win this game because I just think that the Jacksonville Jaguars just don't have that great of a team up front, and Indianapolis is really good up front. I mean, this is the best offensive line in the NFL. They have a really good defensive line with the addition of DeForest Buckner. But I do think what Jacksonville can exploit is this Indianapolis Colts secondary. I just don't think that the Colts are going to, you know, roll over Jacksonville. I don't think that's going to happen. I actually think that Jacksonville has a really good shot of winning this game if they're able to, you know, hold up up front and they're able to get that passing game going. Because I like these wide receivers that the Jacksonville Jaguars have. I like DJ Chark. I like D.D. Westbrook. And I like LaVisca Chenault and Chris Conley. I also like Tyler Eifert as well. And I have my concerns about this Indianapolis Colts secondary. And like I said... Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Colts secondary is terrible. I'm just saying that this Colts secondary is not that great to me. And I'm still, you know, my decision is out on how great I feel this Colts secondary is going to be this season. So I'm going to roll with the Colts to win this game. I think that the Indianapolis Colts win this game. 27 to 17 is my final score prediction in this game. I think that Jacksonville is going to be able to hang around. But ultimately, I think that Indianapolis should be able to win this game by at least a touchdown or more is what I'm thinking. So you guys let me know who you guys have win this game down in the comment section down below. I know if you're watching this on Apple and Spotify, make sure that you guys go ahead and, you know, give the podcast a five-star review. And also, if you're listening to this on YouTube and you haven't checked out the podcast, every single video or almost every single video that I upload on the channel is uploaded on audio platforms and podcast format so if you guys want to listen to the audio version of this video make sure to go ahead and check out my podcast the jt sports podcast on every single podcast platform apple spotify wherever you go ahead and you get your podcast is available so i mean i'm taking the Colts to win this game i think they should win this game by at least two possessions or at least a touchdown or better So that's my prediction for the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. The Miami Dolphins are going to be on the road taking on the New England Patriots. The last time we saw these two teams matched up was the last week of the 2019 regular season, which the Miami Dolphins were able to pull off a last-minute upset, which kept the New England Patriots from getting a first-round bye and ended up having to face the Tennessee Titans in the wild card, which ended up losing that game. So now, in this game, the biggest storyline is probably going to be Cam Newton. How is Cam Newton going to perform in his first game playing for the New England Patriots under head coach Bill Belichick and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels? 
And Cam Newton has a really tough task ahead of him because he's going to be matched up against a really good Miami Dolphins defense. And in fact, I think that the Miami Dolphins could have a top 10 defense this season. And a large part of that is due to how good the secondary is going to be. And both of these two teams have really good secondaries. The Miami Dolphins have two top 10 cornerbacks on their roster, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Now, I don't know if there are any other NFL teams that happen to have two top 10 cornerbacks on the roster, but if there are, I can't think of them off the top of my head. And then they also have a pretty good defensive line and a pretty good front seven as well that Cam Newton's going to be matched up against. Then, the New England Patriots, on the other hand, they also have a really good secondary as well. In fact, they have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So, the two biggest things that we need to watch in this game is Cam Newton, how good is he going to perform in this game, and the battle of the secondaries. Which team's secondary is going to come up on top? Which secondary is going to perform the best? The Miami Dolphins secondary or the New England Patriots secondary? And also another interesting dynamic to watch is Brian Flores versus Bill Belichick. And you may be wondering, JT, why are we watching two head coaches? What is the thing? Brian Flores used to work for the New England Patriots. He was on their staff. And if you guys watched over the last couple of years, former assistants or former coaches of Bill Belichick have a lot of success against them. And a good example of this was Matt Patricia a few years ago, back uh, a couple of years ago when the Detroit Lions beat the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football. He was the former defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots normally have a pretty tough time against former assistants and former coaches of them because they know their system, they know their team really well. But Brian Flores can't really, you know, have the same game plan he had last year because you're facing a different quarterback. You're facing Cam Newton. And I think that Cam Newton is going to be an upgrade from Tom Brady, which a lot of people are going to be a little bit surprised before you dislike that and call me an idiot. I'm not saying that Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm just saying that he's an upgrade from Tom Brady because one thing that really held back Tom Brady last year was his lack of mobility. When the pocket broke down or wide receivers weren't able to get open, Tom Brady didn't have any athleticism to be able to scramble out of the pocket, try to extend the play, or try to pick up extra yardage. Cam Newton is able to do that. He has a lot of athleticism that he can roll out of the pocket, you know, try to extend the plays, give wide receivers a couple of more seconds to try to get open, and if not, pull it down to run the football. They also can run a lot of RPOs now, some read option, and I really want to see how the Patriots utilize Cam Newton. They also have a loaded backfield. Um, you got Sonny Michelle, you got Damon Harris. I mean, you got a really good group of halfbacks for the New England Patriots. Then for the Miami Dolphins, this wide receiver core really concerns me, okay? Because, well, not even that. Both of these wide receiver cores really concern me because you don't really have a lot of depth there. Um, The New England Patriots, their two best wide receivers on the kill, Harry, Julian Edelman, and I'm pretty sure I will, I bet 50, I will bet money that a lot of you guys can't even name the third wide receiver on both these two teams without using Google. Play, play, pause the video real quick and go in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube and tell me who is the third best wide receiver on the New England Patriots roster and who is the third best wide receiver on the Miami Dolphins roster without using Google. I don't think any of you guys are going to be able to do that. 
So for the New England Patriots, their two best receivers are Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry. And for the Miami Dolphins, their two best wide receivers are Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. So, I mean, when I said, when I alluded to the battle of the secondaries earlier, we're going to also see which team's wide receiving core is going to be able to come up on top and, you know, do more damage in the passing game. Because these wide receiving cores aren't really all that great. They don't really have a lot of time. They don't really have a lot of depth. The Miami Dolphins have Preston Willis and Devontae Parker, who are really good, but after that, you know it gets really shaky. And for the New England Patriots, wide receiver core, the wide receiver position has been something that has really been a question mark for them, dating back all the way to last year. So in this game, we're going to get a lot of questions answered. How good is Cam Newton going to be in his first game under Bill Belichick? How are the Patriots going to utilize him? How good are the wide receivers going to be for both teams? Because death has been a big concern for both these two teams' wide receiver positions. And another question, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, is going to be, how is this offensive line going to hold up in this game? Because the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins is really young and really questionable. So I want to see how improved is this Miami Dolphins offensive line from last year to this year. And also, can Miami have success running the football? You got Jordan Howard, you got Matt Breida, who are two solid halfbacks. I want to see, is Miami going to have a little bit more success running the football this year than they did last season? Because they're pretty much the worst running football team in the NFL last year. They weren't really able to get the run game going. So if the Miami Dolphins want to be able to win games this season, they got to have a lot more success running the football this year, which is... Way more easier said than done when you're facing the New England Patriots because the New England Patriots, the majority of the time, they have a pretty good defensive line that's pretty solid against the run in most seasons. You got a lot of sides up front. So, I mean, a lot of interesting question marks going into this game for both teams respectively. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's supposed to be starting in this game. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick... How good is he going to be in this game? Matchup against a really good New England Patriots secondary with the Dolphins not really having a lot of depth at that wide receiver position. So, I mean, a lot of interesting scenarios, a lot of interesting question marks heading into this game that we're going to get answered. And, I mean, this game is a game that I feel can go either way because, you know, the short and the offseason, don't really know what to expect from both of these two teams. I think that the New England Patriots... You know, they're off the line. It's going to be a lot better than what a lot of people give them credit for. I know the New England Patriots had a lot of players opt out. They had like six or seven opt outs, I believe. So, I mean, I want to see how this off the line for New England is also going to fare. So, I mean, the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots have similar concerns and similar question marks heading into this game. But a team not going to take the win this game. I'm going to have to go with the New England Patriots. I just think that Bill Belichick. Being a better coach, having more time or having time to prepare and, you know, having this short offseason benefits him more than the benefits of Miami Dolphins. And the reason why I say that's because you got to look at Bill Belichick like Batman. Which which coach in the NFL will be better suited to, you know, have his team more ready to play with having a short offseason not having rookie minicamp, not having OTAs, and only having like three or four weeks to prepare with training camp. That coach would be Bill Belichick. And I think that the Patriots win this game 20 
to 24 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. I think that this game should be fairly close because I don't think that the Miami Dolphins are, are that far apart. And talent-wise from the New England Patriots. I think that the Dolphins have a pretty good team. Now, do they have a better team than New England? I don't think so. But I don't think they're all that worse from New England. So I think this game could be fairly close. I think that the Dolphins do have a good chance to win this game. Also because Brian Flores has familiarity with the New England Patriots and this New England Patriots system. But despite the fact that Brian Flores does have familiarity with this system... They have a new quarterback. Tom Brady isn't a starting quarterback anymore, which means you don't really know what to expect from this New England Patriots offense. So I'm taking the Patriots to win this game. 24-20 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. But don't be surprised if the Miami Dolphins come out on top in this game. But ultimately, I think that the New England Patriots secondary, you're going to be facing up against Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. So you don't really have a lot of depth there. So, I mean, who are going to be the guys who steps up? Who's going to be that third, you know, wide receiver who emerges? Also, how good is the running game going to be for the Miami Dolphins in this game? So I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game. You can easily make an argument for the Dolphins to win this game. But I'm just going to say and say that the New England Patriots go ahead and they get the job done. Because they are playing at home despite the fact that they may be playing with limited amount of fans or no fans at all. It's really tough to go on the road and win in Foxborough. Really tough. It doesn't matter if you have fans playing or no fans playing. It's just really tough. So I'm taking the Patriots to win this game. 24 to 20 is my final score prediction for this game. So this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that if you guys are watching this on Apple and Spotify, that you guys go ahead, give this podcast a five-star review. Make sure that you guys go ahead and share it with your friends, family, acquaintances. I just make sure that you guys follow me on my social media platforms, my Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. And thanks for listening. I'll be back shortly with another episode.